Hello Shanks. Welcome to yet another episode of the Mazewana podcast. I know last time we left at a cliffhanger and now we're going to continue right from there and just for a slight recap Ben was attacking Thomas like he was chewing or biting Thomas's shoulder and then Thomas pushes him away. Now we'll see what happens next. Does Ben attack once again or what happens? So let's start with chapter 11. It looked as if Ben had recovered only slightly since Thomas had seen him in the homestead. He wore nothing but shorts. His whiter than white skin stretched across his bones like a sheet wrapped tightly around a bundle of sticks. Rope-like veins ran along his body, pulsing and green, but less pronounced than the day before. His bloodshot eyes fell upon Thomas as if he were seeing his next meal. That's, that's real bad. Ben crouched, ready to spring for another attack. At some point, a knife had made an appearance, gripped in his right hand. Thomas was filled with a queasy fear, disbelief that this was happening at all. Ben! Thomas looked toward the voice, surprised to see Albie standing at the edge of the graveyard. A mere phantom in the fading light. Relief flooded Thomas's body. Albie held a large bow, an arrow cocked for the kill, pointed straight at Ben. Ben, Albie repeated, stop right now or you ain't gonna see tomorrow. Thomas looked back at Ben, who stared viciously at Albie, his tongue darting between his lips to wet them. What could possibly be wrong with that kid? Thomas thought the boy had turned into a monster. Why? If you kill me, then shrieked, spittle flying from his mouth. Far enough to hit Thomas in the face, you'll get the wrong guy. He snapped his gaze back to Thomas. He's the shank you want to kill. His voice was full of madness. Don't be stupid, Ben, Albie said, his voice calm as he continued to aim the arrow. Thomas just got here. Ain't nothing to worry about. You're still bugging from the changing. You should have never left your bed. He's not one of us, Ben shouted. I saw him. He's... he's bad. We have to kill him. Let me gut him. Thomas took an involuntary step backward, horrified by what Ben had said. What did he mean he'd seen him? Why did he think Thomas was bad? Albie hadn't moved his weapon an inch, still aiming for Ben. You leave that to me and the keepers to figure out, shuck face. His hands were perfectly steady as he held the bow almost as if he had propped it against a branch for support. Right now, back your scrawny butt down and get to the homestead. He'll want to take us home, Ben said. He'll want to get us out of the maze. Better we all jump off the cliff. Better we tore each other's guts out. What are you talking? Thomas began. Shut your face, Ben screamed. Shut your ugly, traitorous face. Ben, I'll be said calmly. I'm gonna count to three. He's bad, he's bad, he's bad, Ben was whispering now, almost chanting. He swayed back and forth, switching the knife from hand to hand, eyes glued on Thomas. One. Bad, 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 Ben smiled, his teeth seemed to glow, greenish in the pale light. Thomas wanted to look away, get out of there, but he couldn't move. He was too mesmerized, too scared. Two. Albie's voice was louder, filled with warning. Ben, Thomas said, trying to make sense of it all. I'm not. I don't even know what 
Ben screamed. A strangled gurgle of madness and leaped into the air, slashing out the space. Three, Arby shouted. There was a the sound of snapping wires, the whoosh of an object slicing through the air, a sickening, wet thunk of it finding a home. Ben's head snapped violently to the left, twisting his body until he landed on his stomach, and his feet pointed toward Thomas. He made no sound. Thomas jumped to his feet and stumbled forward. The long shaft of the arrow stuck from Ben's cheek, the blood surprisingly less than Thomas had expected, but seeping out all the same, black in the darkness, like oil. The only movement was Ben's right pinky finger twitching. Thomas caught the urge to puke. Was Ben dead because of him? Was it his fault? Come on, Albie said. Baggles will take care of him tomorrow. What just happened here, Thomas thought the world tilting around him as he stared at the lifeless body. What did I ever do to this kid? He looked up, wanting answers, but Albie was already gone. A trembling branch, the only sign he'd ever stood there in the first place. Thomas squeezed his eyes against the blinding light of the sun as he emerged from the woods. He was limping, his ankle screaming in pain, though he had no memory of hurting it. He held one hand carefully over the area where he'd been bitten. The other clutched his stomach as if that would prevent what Thomas now felt was an inevitable bath. The image of Ben's head popped into his mind, cocked at an unnatural angle, blood running down the shaft of the arrow until it collected, dripped, splattered on the ground. The image of it was the last straw. He fell to his knees by one of the scraggly trees on the outskirts of the forest and threw up. Retching as he cuffed and spat out every last morsel of the acidic, nasty bile from his stomach. His whole body shook, and it seemed like the vomiting would never end. And then, as if his brain were mocking him, trying to make it worse, he had a thought. He'd now been at the glade for roughly twenty-four hours. One full day. That was it. And look at all the things that had happened. All the terrible things. Surely it could only get better. That night, Thomas lay staring at the sparkly sky, wondering if he'd ever sleep again. Every time he closed his eyes, the monstrous image of Ben leaping at him. The boy's face set in lunacy filled his mind. Eyes opened or not, he could swear he kept hearing the moist thunk of the arrow slamming into Ben's cheek. Thomas knew he'd never forget those few terrible minutes in the graveyard. Say something, Chuck said for the fifth time since they'd set out their sleeping bags. No. Thomas replied, just as he had before. Everyone knows what happened. It's happened once or twice. Some beaver's tongue shank flipped out and attacked somebody. Don't think you're special. For the first time, Thomas thought Chuck's personality had gone from mildly irritating to intolerable. Chuck, be glad I'm not holding Albie's bow right about now. And just play shut up, Chuck. Go to sleep. Thomas just couldn't handle it right then. Eventually... His buddy did doze off, and based on the rumble of snows across the glade, so did everyone else. Hours later, deep in the night, Thomas was still the only one awake. He wanted to cry, but didn't. He wanted to find Albie and punch him for no reason whatsoever, but didn't. He wanted to scream and kick and spit and open up the box and jump into the blackness below, but he didn't. He closed his eyes and forced the thoughts and dark images away, and at some point, he fell asleep. Chuck had to drag Thomas out of his sleeping bag in the morning, drag him to the showers and drag him to the dressing rooms. The whole time, Thomas felt mopey and indifferent, his head aching, his body wanting more sleep. 
breakfast was a blur and an hour after it was over thomas couldn't remember what he did he was so tired his brain felt like someone had gone in and stapled it to his skull in a dozen places heartburn ravaged his chest but from what he could tell naps were frowned upon in the giant working farm of the glade he stood with newt in front of the barn of the blood house getting ready for his first training session with the keeper Despite the rough morning he was actually excited to learn more and for the chance to get his mind off pen in the graveyard cows mooed sheep bleated pigs squealed all around him somewhere close by a dog barked making thomas hope frightened it and bring new meaning to the word hot dog hot dog he thought when's the last time i had a hot dog who did i eat it with tommy are you even listening to me thomas snapped out of his daze and focused on Newt, who'd been talking for who knew how long. Thomas hadn't heard a word of it. Yeah, sorry, couldn't sleep last night. Newt attempted a pathetic smile. Can't blame ya there. Went through the buggin' ringer you did. Probably think I'm a slinted shank for getting you ready to work your butt off today after an episode the likes of that. Thomas rushed. Work's probably the best thing I could do. Anything to get my mind off it. Newt nodded, and his smile became more genuine. You're as smart as you look, Tommy. That's one of the reasons we run this place all nice and busy-like. You get lazy, you get sad, start giving up, plain and simple. Thomas nodded, absently kicking a loose rock across the dusty, cracked stone floor of the glade. So, what's the latest on that girl from yesterday? If anything had penetrated the haze of his long morning, it had been thoughts of her. He wanted to know more about her. Understand the odd connection he felt to her. Still in a coma, sleeping. Met Jack, a spoon feeding her whatever soups fry pan can cook up, checking her vitals and such. She seems okay, just dead to the wolf now. That was just plain weird. If it hadn't been for the whole Ben in the graveyard incident, Thomas was sure she would have been all he'd thought about last night. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to sleep for an entirely different reason. He wanted to know who she was and if he really did know her somehow. Yeah, Newt said. Weird's as good a word as any, I suspect. Thomas looked over Newt's shoulder with a big faded red barn, pushing thoughts of the girl aside. So what's first? Milk cows or slaughter some poor little pigs? Newt laughed, a sound Thomas realized he hadn't heard much since he'd arrived. We always make the newbies suck with the bloody slicers. Don't worry. Cutting up fry pans, victuals ain't but a part. Slicers do anything and everything dealing with the beasties. Too bad I can't remember my whole life. Maybe I love killing animals. He was just joking, but Newt didn't seem to get it. Newt nodded toward the barn. Oh, you'll know how good and well by the time sun sets tonight. Let's go meet Winston. He's the keeper. Winston was an acne-covered kid, short but muscular, and it seemed to Thomas the keeper liked his job way too much. Maybe he was sent here for being a serial killer, he thought. <laughs> okay. You know, that's what uh, the Maze Runner series is all about. Like, uh, we get an insight into Thomas's thoughts and his thoughts are like, kind of funny. It's that way. Let's continue. Winston showed Thomas around for the first star, pointing out which pens held which animals, where the chicken and the turkey coops were, what went where in the barn. The dog, a pesky black lab named Bark, too quickly to Thomas, hanging at his feet the entire two. Wondering where the dog came from, Thomas asked Winston, who said Bark had just always been there. 
Luckily, he seemed to have gotten his name as a joke because he was pretty quiet. The second hour was spent actually working with the farm animals, feeding, cleaning, fixing a fence, scraping up clunk, clunk. Thomas found himself using the clader terms more and more. The third hour was the hardest for Thomas. He had to watch as Winston slaughtered a hog and began preparing its many parts for future eating. Thomas wore two things to himself as he walked away from lunch break. First, his career would not be with the animals. Second, he'd never eat something that came out of a pig. <laughs> right. Winston had said for him to go on alone that he'd hang around the blood house which was fine with Thomas. As he walked toward the east door, he couldn't stop picturing Winston in a dark corner of the barn, gnawing on raw pig's feet. <laughs> the guy gave him the willies. Thomas was just passing the box when he was surprised to see someone enter the glade from the maze through the west door. To his left, an Asian kid with strong arms and short black hair, who looked a little older than Thomas. The runner stopped three steps in, then bent over and put his hands on his knees, gasping for breath. Oh my god, even I'm gasping for breath. <laughs> okay, let's continue. He looked like he'd just run 20 miles. Face red, skin covered in sweat, clothes soaked. Thomas stared, overcome with curiosity. He had yet to see a runner up close or talk to one. Plus, based on the last couple of days, the runner was home hours early. Thomas stepped forward, eager to meet him and ask questions. But before he could form a sentence, the boy collapsed to the ground. The boy did not die. That's all I can tell you for now. In case you're wondering that the boy collapsed to the ground and Thomas saw him die, well, no, Thomas did not see him die and he just collapsed to the ground because he was tired from running. Now let's continue with chapter 12. Thomas didn't move for a few seconds. The boy lay in a crumpled heap, barely moving, but Thomas was frozen by indecision. Afraid to get involved, what if something was seriously wrong with this guy? What if he'd been stung? What if... Thomas snapped out of it. The runner obviously needed help. Albie, he shouted. Newt, somebody get them. Thomas sprinted to the older boy and knelt down beside him. Hey, you okay? The runner's head rested on outstretched arms as he panted, his chest heaving. He was conscious, but Thomas had never seen someone so exhausted. I'm fine, he said between breaths, then looked up. Who the clunk are you? I'm new here. It hit Thomas then that the runners were out in the maze during the day and hadn't witnessed any of the recent events firsthand. Did this guy even know about the girl? Probably. Surely someone had told him. I'm Thomas, been here just a couple of days. The runner pushed himself up into a sitting position, his black hair matted to his skull with sweat. Oh yeah, Thomas, he huffed. Newbie, you and the chick. Abby chalked up then, clearly upset. What are you doing back, Minho? What happened? Come, you wad, Halby, the runner replied, seeming to gain strength by the second. Make yourself useful and get me some water. I dropped my pack out there somewhere. But Albie didn't move. He kicked Minho in the leg, too hard to be playful. What happened? I can barely talk, shuck face. Minho yelled his voice raw. Get me some water. Albie looked over at Thomas, who was shocked to see the slightest hint of a smile flash across his face before vanishing in a scowl. Minho's the only shank who can talk to me like that without getting his butt kicked off the cliff. 
Right. You know, it's it's amazing. The friendship between Minho and Albi and then Thomas and Newt and Chuck. It's amazing. Their friendship, it's amazing. Then surprisingly, Thomas, even more, Albi turned and ran off, presumably to get Minho some water. Thomas turned toward Minho. He lets you boss him around. Minho shrushed and wiped fresh beads of sweat off his forehead. You scared of that pipsqueak? Cute. You got a lot to learn. Freaking newbies. Minho's calling Albi a pipsqueak. <laughs> I mean, he's the leader there and Minho's calling him a pipsqueak. That's definitely mirthful. The rebuke hurt Thomas far more than it should have, considering he'd known this guy all of three minutes. Isn't he the leader? Leader? Minho barked a grunt that was probably supposed to be a laugh. Yeah, call him leader all you want. Maybe we should call him El Presidente? Nana, Admiral Albi. There you go. He rubbed his eyes, snickering as he did so. Thomas didn't know what to make of the conversation. It was hard to tell when Minho was joking. Okay, I'll give you a pro tip. Minho's like almost always joking. He's always sarcastic. He's, he's like that, you know. So who is the leader here if he isn't? Greeny, just shut it before you confuse yourself more. Minho sighed as if bored, then muttered almost to himself. Why do you shanks always come in here asking stupid questions? It's really annoying. What do you expect us to do? Thomas felt a flush of anger. Like you were any different when you first came, he wanted to say. Do what you're told. Keep your mouth shut. That's what I expect. Minho had looked him square in the face for the first time with that last sentence. And Thomas scooted back a few inches before he could stop himself. He realized he'd just made a mistake. He couldn't let this guy think he could talk to him like that. He pushed himself back up onto his knees so he was looking down at the older boy. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what you did as a newbie. Minho looked at Thomas carefully, then again staring straight in his eyes said, I was one of the first gladers, Linthead. Shut your hole till you know what you're talking about. Thomas, now slightly scared of the guy but mostly fed up with his attitude, moved to get up. Minho's hand snapped out and grabbed his arm. Dude, sit down. I'm just playing with your head. It's too much fun. You'll see when the next newbie. He trailed off, a perplexed look wrinkling his eyebrows. Guess there won't be another newbie, huh? Thomas relaxed, returned to a sitting position, surprised at how easily he'd been put back at ease. He thought of the girl and the note saying she was the last one ever. Guess not. Minho squinted slightly as if he was studying Thomas. You saw the chick, right? Everybody says you probably know her or something. Thomas felt himself grow defensive. I saw her. Doesn't really look familiar at all. He immediately felt guilty for lying, even if it was just a little lie. She hot. Thomas paused, not having thought of her in that way since she'd freaked out and delivered the note and her one-liner, everything is going to change. But he remembered how beautiful she was. Yeah, I guess she's hot. Minho leaned back until he lay flat, eyes closed. Yeah, you guess. If you got a thing for chicks and comas, right? He snickered again. Right. Thomas was having the hardest time figuring out if he liked Minho or not. His personality seemed to change every minute. 
After a long pause, Thomas decided to take a chance. So, he asked cautiously, Did you find anything today? Minho's eyes opened wide. He focused on Thomas. You know what, Greeny? That's usually the dumbest, shock-faced thing you could ask. I don't know. He closed his eyes again, but not today. What do you mean? Thomas stared to hope for information, an answer. He thought, please just give me an answer. Just wait till the fancy admirer gets back. I don't like saying stuff twice, plus he might not want you to hear it anyway. Thomas sighed. He wasn't in the least bit surprised at the non-answer. Well, at least tell me why you look so tired. Don't you run out there every day? Minho groaned as he pulled himself up and crossed his legs under him. Yeah, Greeny, I run out there every day. Let's just say I got a little excited and ran extra fast to get my behind back here. Why? Thomas desperately wanted to hear about what happened out in the maze. Minho threw his hands up. Dude, I told you, patience, wait for General Albi. Something in his voice lessened the blow and Thomas made his decision. He liked Minho. Okay, I'll shut up. Just make sure Albi lets me hear the news too. Minho studied him for a second. Okay, Greeny, you da boss. Albi walked up a moment later with a big plastic cup full of water and handed it to Minho who gulped down the whole thing without stopping once for breath. Okay, out with it. What happened? Minho raised his eyebrows and nodded toward Thomas. He's fine, Albi replied. I don't care what this shank is, just talk. Thomas sat quietly in anticipation as Minho struggled to stand up. Wincing with every move, his whole demeanor just screaming exhaustion. The runner balanced himself against the wall, gave both of them a cold look. I found a dead one. Huh? Abby asked. A dead what? Minho smiled. A dead tree. That's it. That's the end of the chapter. Pretty little cliffhanger, isn't it? I know. A dead griever. I mean, they've been, what, two years in the maze? And they hadn't seen a dead griever even once. And it's like, I'm telling you, and like everything weird starts happening. Like the girl shows up with the note and she's going to be the last one ever. And then, you know, Ben guy and everything's it's changing, don't you think? Well, I do. Tune in next Sunday to know what happens next. I mean, about the dead cleaver and stuff.